Dear Father in heaven, thank you for giving us this privilege to be among the living and thank you for all the tokens of your love which you have strewn upon our pathway, the water we drink, the air we breathe, the food we eat. We thank you for the watch care of your holy angels. We also thank you, Father, for the word which you give to us to sustain us on our journey. Glory be unto your name, Lord. Lord, we can't do anything without you. We need the manna from heaven that would sustain us on our journey to the celestial city. Lord, now is the time we pray that you will break the bread of life to us, that you will give us of your spirit that we may rightly divide the word of truth and that we may assimilate it to our characters and it will give us strength for the labor that we have to perform for today. On this note, Lord, I pray that your words shall be graciously put in my mouth, that it may be spoken to all, that we all may reflect the image of Jesus. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen. Conflict and Courage, April 1 A Crisis in Israel They made a calf in Horeb and worshipped the molten image. Thus they changed their glory into the similitude of an ox that eateth grass. Psalm chapter 106 verse 19 and 20 In the absence of Moses, the judicial authority had been delegated to Aaron and a vast crowd gathered about his tent with the demand. Make us gods which shall go before us. As for this Moses, we wot not what is become of him. The cloud, they said, now rested permanently upon the mount. It would no longer direct their travels. Such a crisis demanded a man of firmness, decision, and unflinching courage. One who held the honor of God above popular favor, personal safety, or life itself. But the present leader of Israel was not of this character. Aaron feebly remonstrated with the people, but his wavering and timidity at the critical moment only rendered them the more determined. There were some who remained true to their covenant with God, but the greater part of the people joined in the apostasy. Aaron feared for his own safety and instead of nobly standing up for the honor of God, he yielded to the demands of the multitude. He made a molten calf in imitation of the gods of Egypt. The people proclaimed, These be thy gods, O Israel, which brought thee up out of the land, out of the land of Egypt. And Aaron basely permitted this insult to Jehovah. He did more. Seeing with what satisfaction the golden god was received, he built an altar before it and made proclamation, Tomorrow is a feast to the Lord. The announcement was heralded by trumpeters from company to company throughout the camp. Under the pretense of holding a feast to the Lord, they gave themselves up to gluttony and licentious reveling. How often in our own day is the love of pleasure disguised by a form of godliness? A religion that permits men while observing the rites of worship to devote themselves to selfish or sensual gratification is as pleasing to the multitudes 
now as in the days of Israel. And there are still pliant Aarons who, while holding positions of authority in the church, will yield to the desires of the unconsecrated and thus encourage them in sin. Amen. The title of our devotion for today is A Crisis in Israel. And before we go into this crisis to understand the lessons that God would have us understand there, we need to know the background to this story. This crisis in Israel is filled with so much meaning for us in these last in these last days. Remember, in the book of 1 Corinthians 10, it was specifically this journey of the children of Israel from Egypt to Canaan that was being referred to when Paul wrote in verse 6 and verse 11 that these things were written as ensamples upon whom to us who are living in these last days upon whom the ends of the world are come. That means it is a type of what is going to happen in our day. So, what is this about? This crisis in Israel. Before this crisis, something had happened. And what was that? The Lord had appeared to the children of Israel. We left off with the situation where they built the temple. And before the building of the temple, we also looked at manna falling down from heaven. That was in uh, Exodus 16. In the book of Exodus chapter 19, the Lord appeared to Moses and said to him in Exodus 19, reading from verse 3, it says, And Moses went up to God, and the Lord called unto him out of the mountain, and saying, Thus shalt thou say to the house of Jacob, and tell the children of Israel, You have seen what I did unto the Egyptians, and how I bear you on eagle's wings and brought you unto myself. Now therefore, if you will obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant, then you shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people, for all the earth is mine. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and an holy nation. These are the words which thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel. And Moses came and called for the elders of the people and laid before their faces all these words which the Lord commanded him. And all the people, that's verse 8 now. And all the people answered together and said, All that the Lord had spoken, we will do. And Moses returned the words of the people unto the Lord. And the Lord said unto Moses, Lo, I come unto thee in a thick cloud, and the people that the people may hear when I speak with thee, and believe thee forever. And Moses told the words of the people unto the Lord. And the Lord said unto Moses, Go unto the people and sanctify them today and tomorrow, and let them wash their clothes, and be ready against the third day. For the third day the Lord will come down in the sight of all the people upon Mount Sinai. That's verse 11. Now, Moses did exactly as the Lord said. All this while, the God, Moses hears from God. No other person hears. Only Moses hears and then comes to tell the people. So they are to remove the doubt from the pe- minds of the people to say, where is Moses getting all these instructions from? Is he really hearing anything from God? God said, I will speak to everybody. Let them hear me. Let it not be like it is just you who is hearing. When they hear for themselves, they will believe that I exist. Even though God had given them numerous evidences of his existence and his power. Yet God said, let me go a step further. Let them hear my voice. Moses did exactly as the Lord said, and they were ready and came to Mount Sinai. And what did the Lord speak to them? Exodus 20, reading from verse 1. And God spake all these words, saying, I am the Lord thy God, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. 
thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow thyself unto them, nor serve them, for I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me, and showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do any work, thou, nor thy son, nor thy daughter, thy manservant, nor thy maidservant, nor thy cattle, nor thy stranger that is within thy gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth and the sea and all that in them is and rested the seventh day. Wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. The fifth commandment now. Honor thy father and thy mother that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. And then he says, Thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor, thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house, thy neighbor's properties, any of it. These were the Ten Commandments which the Lord gave to the children of Israel. They heard his voice for themselves. It's good that we understand this background before we understand the crisis in Israel. Verse 18 says, And all the people saw the thunderings and the lightnings and the noise of the trumpet and the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they removed and stood afar off. And they said unto Moses, Speak thou with us and we will hear. But let not God speak with us lest we die. And Moses said unto the people, Fear not, for God is come to prove you, and that his fear may be before your faces that you sin not. And the people stood afar off. And Moses drew near unto the thick darkness where God was. Hmm. This experience is one of the greatest experiences any human being has ever had. The thunderings of that day in the book of Hebrews chapter 12, we are told in verse 20, it says, For they could not endure that which was commanded, and if so much as a beast touched the mountain, it, sh it shall be stoned or thrust through with a dart. And so terrible was the sight that Moses said, I exceedingly fear and quick. This is how terrible that day was. Subsequently, or before we go, remember that the people had said all that the Lord said we would do. Secondly, remember that they had their own personal experience now with God. This was no longer Moses coming to tell you or you seeing a cloud of a pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire both by morning and by night. This was not that, that experience. Now they had their own personal experience with God. They heard him speak. Then Moses was called up to Mount Sinai to come and receive the Ten Commandments, written in tables of stone with the hand, the finger of God. Exodus 24, reading from verse 13 says, And Moses rose, Exodus chapter 24, reading from verse 13 says, And Moses rose up, and his minister Joshua, and Moses went up into the mount of God. And he said unto the elders, Tarry ye here for us, until we come again unto you. And behold, Aaron and her are with you. If any man have, have any matters to do, let him come unto them. And Moses went up into the mount, and a cloud covered the mount. And the glory of the Lord abode upon the mount upon Mount Sinai. And the cloud covered it six days, and the seventh day 
he called as Moses God called unto Moses out of the midst of the cloud and the sight of the glory of the Lord was like devouring fire on the top of the mount in the eyes of the children of Israel hmm. and Moses went into the midst of the cloud and got him up into the mount and Moses was in the mount 40 days and 40 nights wow so to get a clear picture read exodus 24 verse 17 it says the children of israel they could see that mountain and they saw the fire in the mountain the devouring fire which represented the presence of god it was from there that they heard the voice of god so they had physical evidence of god's presence the pillar of cloud the pillar of fire those were physical evidences and now they saw in the mountain that fire where moses went to and he was there 40 days and 40 nights so these children of israel they didn't have um so the children of Israel, they didn't, uh, they were not left without evidence. They saw it every time before them. And Moses committed them into the hands of Aaron and her. Now, this is where the apostasy came in. In Exodus 32, reading from verse 7, he says, And the Lord said unto Moses, while, they, while he was talking with God, and he had, God had given him the commandments and also all the direction of how to build the temple and what the, the high priest was going to do, the services for the temple, it was in these 40 days that Moses received every instruction on how to conduct, how to build the temple, also how to conduct the services of the temple, the people to ordain and everything to make with all their dimensions. He was receiving it then and was supposed to come down to meet the children of Israel doing something. But what were they doing? God knew what was going on and told Moses, Exodus 32 verse 7, And the Lord said unto Moses, Go, get thee down, for thy people which thou broughtest out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. They have turned aside quickly out of the way which I commanded them. They have made them a molten calf and have worshipped it and have sacrificed thereunto and said, These be thy gods, O Israel, which have brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. The Lord told Moses, This is what is going on in the camp. And Moses saw what was going on himself when he went back. Hmm. This was crisis and apostasy. What was the apostasy about? As we read, Aaron was pressed upon by the people. And these people, they said that they wanted a cow for themselves. Aaron gave them exactly what they wanted. And this they started to worship. The Bible said that they rose up to play. And they had a feast unto whoever it is they called the Lord. What lessons do we have for ourselves in this story? This story is a type or an example of the second coming of Jesus and we, in this story, we are supposed to learn what we should do while waiting for Jesus' return and what we should not do. There will be many who, impatient of their wait, will murmur that the journey is too long and will go back to their old ways of sin. They didn't have the root in them. They represent the seed that fell on the wayside. But God wants us to be patient. We talked about the mixed multitude that came out with the children of Israel out of Egypt. This mixed, multi, this mixed multitude represents they were the Egyptians. They didn't come out of love for God. They were compelled. They felt they were compelled. Others were just curious. They want to see where this thing is going to lead to. What is the end of it? They have heard that the children of Israel are going to be taken to a land flowing with milk and honey. They were not in bondage. They were not feeling the pains of sin. They just came out out of curiosity and be, they wanted something they felt would be better than what they had or others out of fear. It is important and I will keep emphasizing this. 
if you have not felt your bondage of sin and you are following God, if you don't feel the stripes like the Egyptians that were flogging the Israelites, if sin has not flogged you till the point where you cry to where you cry to God and ask for deliverance, and yet you are following God, then you will be this mixed multitude. The children of Israel, when they entered into Egypt, they grew into bondage. They, 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 they got to understand they were awakened to their bondage when the Egyptians were, were persecuting them. We need to be awakened to the sense of sin in our lives. Unless this happens, we will not seek after God and we will not see the need to leave Egypt. Does that mean we should love sin? Sin had a role to play. Where the law was not, sin will not be there. But the Bible says that when the law came, sin revived and I died. Therefore, the law is important. If you don't understand the law of God, you will not see the sin in your life. And if you don't see the sin in your life, it will not drive you to God. If not that the Egyptians were dealing with the Israelites cruelly, they will not ask for deliverance from Egypt. They will be comfortable. And many of us are comfortably in our sins. The law has not come and we have not been convicted of our sin. Does that mean we should go into gross sins so that we can see our need for Christ? No, we all have our sins. We just need to be awakened to it. We don't need to be into adultery and all those other grosser sins. Some people think that that's all that is sin. We don't see the envy and covetousness and jealousy and pride in their life and they have not seen these things as dirty characters that needs to be put off from them. They will frown at the drunkard, they will frown at the adulterer, they will frown at the harlot and look at them as the worst of sinners but will not see in themselves the need for Christ because of their envy and jealousy and fault finding and evil speaking and carnal desires. They won't see that. We need to be awakened to our need. If not, we will be like the mixed multitude. Why am I talking of the mixed multitude? It is the mixed multitude that were impatient and they were the ones who triggered this crisis in Israel. And it is them we are going to focus on today and compare this to the coming of Jesus. Patriarchs and Prophets, page 315, paragraph 3 says, Feeling their helplessness in the absence of their leader, they returned to their old superstitions. The mixed multitude had been the first to indulge murmuring and impatience, and they were the leaders in the apostasy that followed. Among the objects regarded by the Egyptians as symbols of deity was the ox or calf, and it was at the suggestion of those who had practiced this form of idolatry in Egypt that a calf was now made and worshipped. The people desired some image to represent God and to go before them in the place of Moses. God had given no manner of similitude of himself, and he had prohibited any material representation for such a purpose. The mighty miracles in Egypt and at the Red Sea were designed to establish faith in him as the invisible, all-powerful helper of Israel, the only true God. Of, and the desire for some visible manifestation of his presence had been granted in the pillar of cloud and of fire that guided their host and in the revealing of his glory upon Mount Sinai. But with the cloud of the presence still before them, they turned back in their hearts to the idolatry of Egypt and represented the glory of the invisible God by the similitude of an ox. End of quote. So we see here the role of the mixed multitude. We are on our journey to heaven. 
there are people who are the mixed multitude in your group in your church in your ministry these people we are to beware of beware of people who are always pointing you back to the old ways of sin which was what the mixed multitude did because they did not come out of egypt because they hated bondage they came out because of fear they had not learned to hate evil they had not learned to hate sin egypt to them was a good place but not for the true israelite egypt to an israelite is a place of bondage but it is not so to the mixed multitude it was a place of enjoyment it was a place that they did not hate and this is why the spirit of the mixed multitude is a terrible one on the pilgrim way it is best to stay away from friends and anyone even your family members who will always be a temptation to you reminding you of the former ways of sin but we are in a world and will always meet such people it is our duty to stand our ground and know why we are doing what we are doing if there is a delay we are not to be impatient we are to work along with god but for the mixed multitude because they were their whole interest was just to let me see that Canaan. Where is the place? Let me know what you people are talking about. Let me see the kingdom you people are saying so that I can go and enjoy myself. They were impatient. But even the children of Israel, though they were also anxious to be in that place, the true person who wants to be in the kingdom of God, who wants eternal life, who is waiting for the second coming of Jesus, will not say, ah, I, I'm tired of waiting. Why? Because they hate sin. If I'm tired of waiting, where will I go? I cannot go back to my sins because I hate Egypt. I hate the bondage, but not so with the mixed multitude. But then, apart from the physical people who represent the mixed multitude around us, there is still that mixed multitude within us. The mixed multitude within us is our old sins which we were practicing. And if we don't push it away because it will keep coming back to our minds, the reminder will keep coming to us, suggestions from here and there. You will see it around you or suggestions will come to your mind reminding you of what you used to do in the past. And then when you are waiting for God and Christ has not come, you may want to go back to your old ways of sin. The mixed multitude within you will remind you of your hairstyle when you were in the world. It will remind you of your friends and the enjoyment you used to have with them in reverie, reveling and partying. It will remind you of the nice relationship you once had with your unbelieving husband and your unbelieving wife and then will make you long for it. Oh, what should we do with this thought of the mixed multitude in our minds? We are to push it away and repel it and pray and say, no, I cannot go back to Egypt. So what should the people of Israel have been doing at this time? It was just 40 days. They saw the fire. They said they needed a physical representation of God. There was a pillar of cloud. What was the point in bringing that calf? And we also, we say, oh, we need to see God. Some people pray, Lord, show me your ways, show me your ways. Wow, I wonder what you're expecting to see. The word, the word, the ways of God and his word. Some people say, I want God to speak to me. I'm praying for God to speak to me. Have you listened to the one he has said already? You want a visible manifestation of God in your life? Read your Bible. That is God speaking to you as verily as God speaking to the children of Israel in that mountain that was thundering and had those lightnings and the people were quaking. Do you quake and tremble at the word of God? That Bible that you have there is God speaking to you. It is the presence of God and many more things we see around us in the prophecies fulfilled and even the tokens of God's love that he places in our pathway. The food we eat, the water we drink, 
and the protection we get all these things are manifestations of god's presence in our lives we don't need to be asking god show me speak to me show me whether you exist and all of that god does exist and he does these things for us so what are the people of israel supposed to be doing during this time of waiting which is i'm asking the question we are waiting for jesus what are we supposed to be doing reading patriarchs and prophets page 315 paragraph 2 it says during this period of waiting there was time for them to meditate upon the law of god which they had heard and to prepare their hearts to receive the further revelations that he might make to them they had none too much time for this work and had they been thus seeking a clearer understanding of god's requirements and humbling their hearts before him they would have been shielded from temptation but they did not do this and they soon became careless inattentive and lawless especially was this the case with the mixed multitude they were impatient to be on their way to the land of promise the land flowing with milk and honey it was only on condition of obedience that a goodly land was promised them but they had lost sight of this there were some who suggested a return to egypt but whether forward to canaan or backward to egypt the masses of the people were determined to wait no longer for moses end of quote so we also should learn what are we supposed to be doing some people say oh christ has not come we've been hearing of it since we were children my grandmother heard of it my great grandmother heard it's been many years christ has departed he has not come since he said he's coming two thousand years has gone he has not come almost two thousand years roughly two thousand years has gone and he has not come it's a time of waiting for us just like it was a time of waiting for the children of israel what are we to be doing while waiting are you prepared is the land of canaan just for anybody god brought them out of egypt but they were not prepared to enter canaan because there is a qualification that we must get before entering canaan it's not just to say i'm on my journey lord jesus come come where do you think you will be when he comes if you are impatient of the coming of the lord and you want him to come now do you think you will even make it when he comes sometimes in churches they say maranatha people will shout let him come let him come are you ready for him is your character pure are you going to be in his kingdom if he comes or is it just a mantra in the churches maranatha let him come as if we are ready to receive the instructions moses was going to bring down instructions for them to follow were they ready they were supposed to be preparing themselves what are we to be doing now we are supposed to be preparing ourselves jesus will surely come but why is he waiting we are told in the book of second peter chapter 3 reading from verse 8 it says but beloved be not ignorant of this one thing that one day is with the lord as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day that means time does not matter with god what is short to us is long to him and what is long to us is short to him that's what that passage means it's not a prophetic thing to be using to say one day is exactly a thousand years no so continuing it says in verse 9 the lord is not slack concerning his promise as some men count slackness but is long suffering to us word not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance but the day of the lord will come as a thief in the night in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise and the elements shall melt with fervent heat the earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved 
what manner of persons ought you to be in all holy conversation and godliness, looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. See the question, what manner of people ought we to be in all holy conversation? We are supposed to be preparing ourselves not to be impatient and saying, let him come, let him come, we want to move as if we are ready. Oh my, in Amos chapter 5, reading from verse 18, it says, Woe unto you that desire the day of the Lord. To what end is it for you? The day of the Lord is darkness and not light, as if a man did flee from a lion and a bear met him, or went into the house and leaned on his, his hand on the wall and a serpent bit him. Shall not the day of the Lord be darkness and not light? Even very dark and no brightness in it. I hate, I despise your feasts, and I will not smell in your solemn assemblies. Though you offer me burnt offerings and your meat offerings, I will not accept them. Neither will I regard the peace offerings of your fat beasts. Take away from me the noise of your songs, for I will not hear the melody of thy vows. But let judgment run down as waters, and righteousness as a mighty stream. What are we supposed to be doing now? Judgment is to be running down as waters and righteousness as a mighty stream is not to be giving services upon services, feast upon feast, and then song upon song. But the Lord is telling us, take it away from me. I will not even listen to it. Neither will I smell your, smell your offerings. What is the day of the Lord to us that when they say Maranatha, we all shout, let him come. Are you ready for his coming? The people were like that. Maranatha, let him come. Maranatha, let us go. We are going to Canaan. We cannot wait anymore for, 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 for Moses. We will go. Let Jesus come. We want to go to Canaan. We need to remember that there is a preparation. And the people were at this time of waiting to prepare themselves. They had just heard the commandments of God 40 days before. That day was terrible, but they quickly forgot. In one of the commandments, in that Ten Commandments, that they had just heard 40 days ago, it commanded them not to make any, any image or any similitude of anything in the heavens or in the earth, whether it is animal or human, don't make anything that looks like anything and worship it. 40 days later, here they were. Remember that these were the people who said, all that the Lord has said, we will do. Now, 40 days later, did they do it? No. They didn't do it. Why? They did not leave Egypt out of faith and love. These were people who were actuated by just the desire to enjoy themselves or they left out of fear so they were impatient. And I keep emphasizing this. Ask God to put love in your heart because if it is not out of love that you are following the Lord, you will be like the mixed multitude at every time of uh, waiting you will be impatient you will keep remembering your past and saying this is what I liked you don't hate sin you didn't live because you hated sin you loved it you only left out of fear or out of curiosity to see what heaven is like you don't hate sin we need to hate sin if not we will keep bringing up the option of going back to sin and that was what the mixed multitude were doing they were always bringing up the option of going back to sin and this is representing for us today, as I've said, avoid the mixed multitude. And what are we supposed to be doing? Patiently prepare. Check your character. Is my robe white? Am I ready to receive the next instruction from God so that I can be prepared to enter into Canaan? That is to be our question. But alas, what did the Lord say? And there are people who are going to be smiting their servants. Jesus himself talked about his coming. And he said that there are going to be people 
who would say, My Lord delayed his coming and will begin to smite their fellow servants. Reading from Luke chapter 12 from verse 35, it says, Let your loins be girded about and your lights burning, and ye yourselves like unto men that wait for their Lord, when he will return from the wedding, that when he cometh and knocketh, they may open unto him immediately. Blessed are those servants whom the Lord, when he cometh, shall find watching. Verily I say unto you, that he shall gird himself and make them sit to sit down to meet, and will comfort and serve them. And if he come, if he shall come in the second watch, or come in the third watch, and find them so, blessed are those servants. And this know, that if the good man of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched, and not have suffered his house to be broken through. Be ye therefore ready also, for the Son of Man cometh at an hour when you think not. Verse 42 And the Lord said, Who then is the faithful and wise steward, whom his Lord shall make ruler over his house to give them their portion of meat in due season? Blessed is that servant, whom his Lord, when he cometh, shall find so doing. Of a truth I say unto you, that he will make him ruler over all that he hath. Verse 45 but and if that servant say in his heart, My Lord delayeth his coming, and shall begin to beat the men servants and maidens, and to eat and drink and be and to be drunken, the Lord of that servant will come in a day when he looketh not for him, and at an hour when he is not aware, and will cut him asunder, and will appoint him his portion with the unbelievers. And that servant which knew his Lord's will, and prepared not himself, neither did according to his will, shall be beaten with many stripes. But he that knew not, and did commit things worthy of stripes, shall be beaten with few stripes. For unto whomsoever much is given, of him shall much be required, and to whom, to whom men have committed much, of him they will ask the more. The Lord had committed much to the children of Israel. Much has been given to them and much was required for them. And if you look at the words here that Jesus is saying, watch, prepare, those are words we keep seeing here. So while we are waiting, we are supposed to prepare and watch. We are not supposed to say in our heart, my Lord delayed his coming. We are supposed to be getting ready. We are not supposed to be eating and drunk drinking. Here, Jesus was alluding. As you can see, a lot of similarities is there in these words of Jesus when you compare it to the time of waiting when the children of israel were waiting for moses there's a lot of similarity in it they entered into dissipation and licentiousness while waiting they got tired of waiting and they decided to start eating and drinking with the drunken and there were two categories of people there were the mixed multitude who did not know the lord's will and there were those who were like aaron who knew the lord's will and the lord says that those who knew his will and yet did these things they will be beaten with many stripes and those who did not know and went ahead to do it they'll be beaten with fewer stripes and that was how it was the the, the lord came at a time when they did not expect suddenly moses came and met them his eyes flashing and his whole body white, uh, his whole body as light shining on them so much that they could not even behold him. He had to put a veil on his face and the whole dissipation had to stop. And that is how it's going to be for those who say, My Lord, the Lord is coming, and who begin to go into their old ways of sin. Those who think, Oh, yes, we know that Moses is coming. They knew that Moses was alive. They could see the fire on the mountain, 
but what they said is as for moses we don't know what has happened to him let us go away so they, they were not in doubt they knew but my lord delayed his coming was in their heart and they went into dissipation and licentiousness and all manner of evil but the lord came at a time when they did not know and there were two categories of people the levites among them they separated themselves and refused to join in that dissipation that day but the rest of the majority of the people they went into it so shall it be today which category are you in are you among those people who represent the levites who are going to be waiting and watching for the lord to come or are you among those who grow impatient of their weight and will begin to smite the levites and say to them Ah, my Lord, the Lord is coming. And not just stop at that, but you start eating and drinking with the drunken boy. You won't even stop at that. You start to smite those who are doing the right thing. Reading from Review and Herald, January 5, 1869, paragraph 11, we read, it says, As a people, we are surely saying by our works, My Lord, the Lord is coming. Our Lord has given us a fearful caution, not even to say this in our hearts. With many, the warning is utterly re- disregarded. Their works and words and their life is saying distinctly to others, My Lord, delay is coming. Say not, unfaithful steward, this concerneth not me. I am a Christian. Was not the evil steward a professed Christian? A forgetful, negligent, slothful steward of his Lord's goods. He was outwardly a steward, a professed Christian. He calls Christ my Lord, just like the Israelites called Moses my Lord. He believes in the coming of his Lord. They also believed in the coming of their Lord. But he only says that coming is delayed. Then he presumes on that delay to use for the gratification of his own appetite and pleasure his Lord's goods. But his portion is assigned him with the hypocrites and unbelievers where is weeping and gnashing of teeth. I entreat you, my brethren, to arouse from your sloth and take heed to yourselves lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting and drunkenness and cares of this life and so that they come upon you unawares as a people we are increasing in riches i am alarmed as i see so little of the spirit of sacrifice selfishness and the love of the world is closing up the soul that the rays of heavenly light cannot penetrate it as god's stewards i entreat you to dispense of your means lighten the load of care burden and responsibility which is resting upon you end of quote here lord is telling us what to do while waiting use what are the things that shows that we are, we are saying the lord the latest is coming accumulation of wealth instead of using these things for the furthering of the gospel rather we accumulate them you are saying my lord the Lord is coming reading again from manuscript releases volume 14 page 115 paragraph 2 we are told because iniquity abounds, the love of many waxes cold. There are many who have outgrown their advent faith. They are living for the world and while saying in their hearts, as they desire it shall be, my Lord delayed his coming. They have beaten their fellow servants. They do this for the same reason that Cain killed Abel. Abel was determined to worship God according to the direction God had given. This displeased Cain. He thought that his own plans were best and that the Lord would come to his terms. Going down to page 116, paragraph 1, it says, The Lord has a controversy with all who by their unbelief and doubt have been saying that he delays his coming, and who have been smiting their fellow servants and eating and drinking with, that is, working from the very same principle as the drunken. They are drunken but not with wine. They stagger but not with strong drink. Satan has controlled their reason and they know not at what they stumble. Just as soon as a man separates himself from God, so 
that his heart is not under the subduing power of the Holy Spirit, the attributes of Satan will be revealed and he will begin to oppress his fellow men. An influence goes forth from him that is contrary to the truth and justice and righteousness. End of quote. Here is what we see happens to those who say, My Lord, the Lord is coming. They are indulging the very same spirit as did Korah, Dathan, and Abiram, and as did the Jews in the days of Christ. Warnings have come from God again and again for these men, but they have cast them aside and ventured, and ventured on in the same course. Is the language of your soul, my Lord, the Lord is coming? Is the language of your soul, Maranatha, let him come, but yet you are not preparing? The Lord is calling us today to walk from a different principle. While we wait for the coming of the Lord, it is not a time for us to say all that the Lord said we would do and then eventually we will not do what he said we should do. And by the way, why was it that these Israelites said all that the Lord said we would do and eventually they were not able to do it? In the book of Hebrews chapter 4, we are told why they failed. It tells us in Hebrews chapter 4 from verse 2, it says, For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. For we which have believed do enter into a rest. So what happened? When they heard what God said they should do, they said all that the Lord said we will do, we will do. All that the Lord said we should do, we will do. But they did not mix it with faith. In this time of waiting, we are to have faith. Do not give up your belief in the coming of the Lord. Rather, we are to hasten. The Bible tells us as we read in 2 Peter chapter 3, reading from verse uh, 11, it says, seeing, that, seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in all holy conversation and godliness, looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God? We are to be preparing, hasting it. How are we to be hasting it? By using our means to further the gospel. Why is it that Christ has not come? Because the work has not been done that ought to be done on this earth. And that work is to be done by us, his professed people. It's not for us to go back into our sins. Since you see that Christ has not come and you are waiting, what are we supposed to do? Is it to go back to our way of life and say, Oh, Christ has not come, let me enjoy myself. Let me uh, try and not miss out. Let me not miss out on the goodies that the world has to offer and then start smiting the servants of God. Those who are doing the right thing will become offended with them and start to mock and ridicule them. That's not what we ought to do. So here is an opportunity for us to rethink where we have been all this while and the Lord is calling us. There's only one place that is best for us. It is to be among the Levites, those who chose not to join those who were eating and drinking with the drunken, those who said, Today is the day we worship God. Let us rise up and eat and drink and play. We are not to be among those people who are wasting time in indulgences while waiting for the coming of the Lord, saying, My Lord, the Lord is coming. Rather, we are to search our hearts, examine ourselves based on the law of God that we have just heard. Ask yourself, Is my robe white? Am I ready for the coming of the Lord? And be watching and waiting, as Jesus said. Be prepared as a steward. You don't know when Jesus is going to come. Therefore, get ready at all times. Let us pray. Our dear Father in heaven, we thank you for the message you have given to us today. Forgive our backsliding, Lord. We have said before in our hearts, My Lord, the Lord is coming. We have been chasing after the things of this world 
and forgetting the course of God. We have not been in a watching and waiting preposition. We have not been preparing ourselves. Have mercy on us, O God. And we pray that we you help each and every one of us wherever we are. Some may be having the mixed multitude trying to draw them back into their life of sin. They are seeing their friends and they are saying, Oh, see how far my friends have gone. They are rich. They have these world's goods and look at me. I'm nowhere. And this mixed multitude is making them want to draw back. Lord, help such a person. Help them, Lord, to see that they have a destination. One that is more honorable than anything we have here, as your word has said in Psalm 16 verse 10. Pleasures forevermore reserved for us. Lord, help us to continue to exercise the faith that is necessary so that we will not grow impatient of waiting and fall back to our old ways of sin. Have we fallen back? Lord, please help us and lift us up again that we may come back to our pilgrim journey and walk along that way to our final destination. Do this, O Lord, and take the glory. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen.